0: Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, February 19, 2023. It focuses on God's faithfulness to Daniel and his three friends as they seek to honor God in Babylon, their new home away from home. The message to all who will listen is God is trustworthy and helps those who seek to obey him in seemingly small things. Now, here is Pastor Mike Neifert. Let me start with a question today. Have any of you ever done a trust fall? If you've ever done a trust fall, you know that you should be a little bit nervous because sometimes your trust in the people who are supposed to catch you is misplaced. It is wise to be just a tad afraid when you are invited to do a trust fall. The first time that I ever did a trust fall, the people at the back kind of let me fall to the ground and this was not a mic drop that I enjoyed. (laughs) I'm obviously not disabled for life, but I'm a little emotionally damaged from that. It was years before I tried to trust fall again. And can I tell you something interesting? When I fell the second time, I mean, years between, when I fell the second time and middle schoolers caught me, I started sobbing. Like, it was really an emotional thing for me, a really crazy thing. It's like, oh, wow, that worked. I did not die. And this was like from a perch that was like three or four feet off the ground that I was falling back into the arms of junior hires at camp. God taught me a little bit about trust in that moment, and there was actually some healing there. Can we just admit it that trust is scary? Trusting people, trusting God, trusting anybody is kind of scary. It's especially frightening for those who have been through traumatic events, whether you've been betrayed or abused or tricked or lied to. Some people never recover from the hurt that they've been through, and they don't ever trust again. Loads of people, There are lots of people in this world who don't trust God. They believe that he failed them in a time of need. He didn't rescue them or their loved ones when they thought that he should have. He didn't work things out the way that they imagined would be best. Because we all have an idea of what God should do, right? And it's what we like, what we want. So let me ask you a question. Do you trust God? Would you close your eyes and fall back into his arms if he invited you to? Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't, but I'll bet you know someone, whether it's you or someone else, who'd say, no way. Can you name an untrusting person? Don't do it out loud. But someone who distrusts God or others for some reason or another? This morning, we're going to start off a multi-week series on the book of Daniel, or at least on the first six chapters. I haven't decided if I'm going to go beyond chapter six or not, but I know that I want to cover the first six chapters, and there's going to be an interruption or two along the way, possibly. I know of a couple things that are possibly coming up. So when that happens, we'll just pick up where we were the week before, and we'll start from there, and we'll get the next segment of the adventure of this young Israelite man's sojourn in a foreign land. And we'll go right back to watching him and his friends learn to trust God. My hope is that you and I will grow in our trust toward God as we read about his past actions. God's going to be our focus as we proceed. We'll look at him and see if he is indeed trustworthy. My prayer as we get started is that each of us will grow in our faith in God each and every week as we watch him act and interact with these young men, and with those who are around them. So, would you ask God for a growing trust as you listen? That's what I want for you, is to have a growing trust in our trustworthy God. So, I'm going to give you just a second to ask right now, and then I'm going to pray, but I want to give you a second to talk to God and say, I want to learn, or I want to grow in my trust in you. So let's pray, just for a moment, I'm going to give you a moment in silence, and I'm going to allow you to pray, and then I'll pray, and we'll go on from there. God we're all before you, and we need your help, because we have a tendency not to trust We've been burned, and we've been mistreated, and so we hold back. And God, we need to learn to trust you, and we want to grow in trust for you. So please, God, speak to us. Show yourself to be trustworthy in the life of Daniel, which we know you already have been. But remind us of the ways that you've been trustworthy in our lives and how you want to be trustworthy in the things that are coming our way. In Jesus' name, amen. I've explained my aim, and that is to help us to grow in trust, to know better our trustworthy God, and I've recognized some reasons why some may have trouble trusting. I guess we're ready to go back in time and see how Daniel and his companions handle some pretty difficult circumstances that they find themselves in. And so if you would grab your Bible, We're going to start at the very beginning of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1. We're going to start with the first seven verses because they set the scene for the entire book and for this series. In these initial verses, we're going to meet the main characters of this prophetic narrative book. And if you found Daniel, you can put a bookmark in your Bible there, and it'll be there for next week because we're going to go, we're just going to pick up where we leave off today. And so if you're ready to read, this is what we find recorded for us in the first seven verses of Daniel. Daniel 1, starting at verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning— The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So what we're witnessing here is not the final everyone is taken out of the promised land, expulsion by God, into Babylon for all the people of Israel. The fall of Jerusalem into the hands of the Babylonians, their complete destruction is yet to come. Mass deportation and wholesale pillaging is years down the road. Only part of Judah's wealth is carried off and only a few kingly and noble men are taken away at this time. This is kind of the first wave of exile. So before we move on, I want you to note something in verse 6. What does it say? Look at it again. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Among is the key word here. More than four young men were taken from Judah to Babylon. These four are singled out for mention because as far as we can tell, as we move forward in the book, they're the only ones from Judah, the only ones of the exiles who remain faithful to God the only ones of these early exiles, who remained faithful to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to the law that was given to his people through Moses. Now, I suppose that there might have been some others who maintained purity, but there's no indication that any other young man other than these continued steadfast in God's ways. It seems all the others of noble or royal birth bowed their heads and submitted their wills to Nebuchadnezzar the king and did what they were told. Yes, sir, right away, sir, you know, that kind of thing. In big things and in little, it seems, the majority of the captives took the easier path. When in Babylon, do as the Babylonians do. Their captors did not worship God, did not honor God, and so the people of Judah who had been taken, most of them, Chose not to worship him anymore, chose not to honor him any longer. Now, I thank God for these four Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I'm thankful that they remained steadfast in their faith, that their trust in God was good. Their trust in God stirs up trust in me, doesn't it? Stir it up on you. Helps me to see that God is trustworthy. I can resist the pull of the world and follow him because he will see me through. So we're going to read a bit more now, now that we've introduced the characters and seen the beginnings of their faithfulness to God. Starting at verse 8, we're going to see God's faithfulness to these young men. Before I read verses 8 through 14, I want you to notice what it said in verse 5 about the food and wine. It was provided by the king it's what he wanted them to receive. The king of Babylon gave specific instructions on what they were to eat and to learn before entering his service. That's important. So here we go. This is what we have in Daniel 1, 18 to 14. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. So you've been to a restaurant buffet before, right? Some of you are probably going to Dragon's Den after this. I don't know. What happens to your senses when you step up to that smorgasbord? You see all the food, and it's under beautiful lighting and all that kind of stuff. You can see the juices glistening, and your, the smells of tantalize, and you imagine eating them, and so your mouth starts watering, and you start piling on food. and spoonful after spoonful and after spoonful. And that's just your first plate because you know you've got to go back and pile desserts in about 15 minutes. We all overeat when we graze like that. And I'm certain that was what it was like to be offered King Nebi's food. Everything looked and smelled like heaven, but I'm also certain that some of what was offered was on the unclean foods list that were given to God's people by Moses. Perhaps the fillets were bacon-wrapped. Maybe the kid goat was boiled in its mother's milk. Was barbecued rabbit or grilled shrimp or roasted crocodile set before the men? We don't know what they had. We're not given specifics. We only know that Daniel and his three friends asked if they could be excused from the king's table so as not to defile themselves with what was offered. The guy in charge is understandably nervous. He's been given strict orders about the food and the wine to be served to all these recruits, if you want to call them that. If he's caught serving up other options other than those which were royally decreed, it's his neck on the chopping block. You caught that, right? It'll be my head. Even today, bad stuff happens to guards who hand out food which is not on the approved uh, list in the prison. Almost five years ago in October 2018, Fox News and probably others reported a food-related incident at a county jail. Here's how the article began. A Florida correctional officer and his wife were arrested this week for allegedly smuggling McDonald's burgers, chicken wings, and a cell phone into the jail. Gary Alford, a Miami-Dade correctional officer, and his wife Shantika Anastasia Alford were arrested Thursday and charged with multiple felonies, including the introduction of contraband into a county detention facility. Chicken nuggets aren't contraband in a prison. Did you know that? Okay. Sadly, I couldn't find a follow up piece that could tell us the fate of Gary and Shantika, what they were sentenced to. Let's just say they probably were treated more humanely in our day than Daniel's Guard would have been in that day if the king of Babylon learned of his insubordination. So, when their guard was hesitant, Daniel and his friends wisely proposed a 10-day trial. They'd eat only vegetables and drink only water during this test period, and then the guard could compare them to all the others. If they were healthy and hale, he'd let them continue their non-defiling diet. God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel and his friends. I wonder when God has moved the hearts of those around me recently. I wonder when he's directed the minds of those who need to show you or a loved one compassion. I bet he's done so many times without our noticing it. I don't know what all of you think about US immigration policy. I'm not going to get Political, and I don't want to get into a debate about this, but I do want you to consider praying for one situation that we're aware of, asking God to move the hearts of government officials and paperwork so that our church's friends' parents can be approved for admission into our country in time for their son's wedding. The paperwork is in process. God can expedite it, can't he? While you're praying about that situation, what other thorny issues might you invite God into? Where do you or a family member or a neighbor need help? Jesus urged his followers to make their requests known to God. This is what he says in Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Perhaps we should regularly ask God to move the hearts of those around us, those from whom we need favor. Perhaps when we see him act for our good, we ought to pause and give thanks. God is good all the time, and all the time, right. Count on God's goodness when you pray, trust in his goodness. Believe he knows what's best for you and will cause what's best for you to happen. Now, I'm not talking about the name it and claim it baloney that some people teach. That treats God like some kind of cosmic genie that has to do what you say if you say it in the right way. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about ask and receive faith that Jesus encouraged. Back to the four Israelites in Babylon. They've been tested for 10 days. It's time to see the results. Follow along. We're going to read the next three verses, Daniel 1:15 through 17. At the end of the 10 days, this is the trial, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Wow, 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 wow. God came through, didn't he? These guys trusted him, and he proved trustworthy. At the end of their trial period, they they are the picture of health, while the guys gorging themselves at Babylon's Golden Corral are bloated and gassy. It's all those onion rings and sweets. The guard sees the results, and verse 16 tells us that he takes away Daniel's and Hananiah's and Mishael's and Azariah's share of the royal feast. He puts the bottles of wine back in the cellar. Uh, My wife and I just finished up a 40-day sugar fast. This past Wednesday, while we were still on that sugar fest, we went to a lunchtime retirement party for someone from the school. And do you know what was on the coffee table in front of the sofa that we sat on? A plate of cookies. Iced sugar cookies with thick icing. Yeah, yum. I've had cookies from this cookie shop. They were Sandys, they were good. But we were on sugar lockdown. We did not take one. Interestingly, the hostess came over while we were sitting there and took the tray away, which was like the temptation level went from like a 10 down to a 6 or 5. Then she brought the tray back with two cookies. These are for you. We didn't eat them. I kid you not, hours later, FedEx showed up at our house. What was in the package? (laughs) Cookies. Cookies from friends in the yearly meeting who wanted to bless us and encourage us in all the work that we do and thank us for being great pastors and pastors' wives. Unbelievable. Get thee behind me, sugar. We did eat one. We broke our fast yesterday. We ate one of the cookies. God had more mercy on the four young men and Daniel one than he had on us, I guess. He moved their guard's heart to allow them the test, and then he moved him again to remove all temptation. Did you catch that? That's what I've been trying to emphasize here. These guys didn't have to stare at the unclean, the the defiling food, day after day after day. It was gone, and only things which were pleasing to God were presented daily. And God went farther than just giving them good health Verse 17 tells us of his generosity in the areas of learning and knowledge and understanding and dream interpreting. God can give wisdom. He gave it to to Solomon when he asked for it, and he gives it to us today. God can give wisdom to you. In fact, if you'll allow me, I'd like to read a few verses from the beginning of the book of James in verses 2 through 8 of James 1, we find words of encouragement when facing temptation and when seeking wisdom, which is where these guys are at. So listen to what God has for us. This is what the Spirit inspired James to write in James 1, 2 through 8. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance. So when you face temptation or trials, rejoice. That's what it said, right? Consider it pure joy. Why? Because God's at work producing perseverance in you, teaching you how to endure, giving you the gift of trust, even in the middle of that trial. He's teaching you to trust, proving himself trustworthy. And when you lack wisdom, what do you do? You ask. It's that simple. Ask, and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Isn't that what it said? God can be trusted to give wisdom. You don't have to doubt that. When you ask for it, he will give it. All right, shall we finish off Daniel chapter 1? God has shown himself faithful to Daniel and his friends so far. Will he continue to help them in verses 18 to 21? I think you know the answer even before we start reading. Here's the word of God. This is Daniel 1, 18 to 21. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom, and Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. I know I said it earlier, but let me repeat myself. Wow, 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 wow. Whoops, may have added an extra one, I don't know. Anyway, the king, unaware of all the things that have transpired earlier, He didn't know about the 10-day fast. He doesn't know about the insubordination of his guard. He doesn't know about the special diet. He does not know anything. He finds these guys to be the smartest of the smarties. He welcomes them into his service, and I think it's safe to assume he treats them royally because he finds them 10 times better than any of the others. Is God moving another man's heart to, to favor his boys? It seems so, God is good, and all the time, our God is entirely trustworthy. One more thing, and then I'll let you respond to God's word. Early in the chapter, in verse 7, the official in charge of these four men changed their names. Did you catch that? Daniel, as far as the Babylonians were concerned, was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, Azariah became Abednego. And we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we know those names for those guys. But the writer of Daniel, probably him, never changed his name in this book. But did you notice in this whole chapter that, with the exception of Daniel, they weren't referred to by those Babylonian names, not even once. The writer of Daniel continues to use their Hebrew names, which have meanings, I think we should note. Daniel means God is my judge, Hananiah, God has been gracious, Mishael, who is what God is, and Azariah, God has helped. Can you imagine any better names for men whom God has judged? Who God has been gracious to and whom God has indeed helped. Who is what God is? Trustworthy and true. God, who is your judge and has judged you righteous because of Jesus' blood shed on the cross for your sin, is trustworthy. He has been and will continue to be gracious. He has and will continue to help you. Who is what God is? Trustworthy and true. I encourage you to take your needs to God right now. Ask him to give you favor in the hearts of those around you, not for your good alone, but also for his glory and for the good of those around you. Thank him for the ways that he's shown himself trustworthy, especially in the little things. This is kind of a small thing, it seems, but God is trustworthy even in that and commit yourself and all those you love, commit yourself to being faithful to him and with his help, being faithful in all things. I encourage you, just take time to respond to God with petition and praise in this time of silent waiting on him. help us to to trust you even when things are difficult help us to trust you in the middle of big and little things and help us to grow in our love for you express your love to us show us favor and Grant compassion to us from those who are around us who aren't showing us favor right now. God, we confess that sometimes you don't feel trustworthy, but we're going to trust despite our feelings, despite the difficulties. Help us. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.